Welcome to the Sound Cave. That was our <laughs> slight introduction with uh, Dire Straits, Where You Think You're Going, off of the um, Communique album, uh, which is one of the ones, I think it's their second album from like 1978, I'm, I'm going to come right out and say I don't know anything by them that wasn't a single you know, on MTV yeah. back in the day or something that you've played for me down here. Yeah. Because I never, I never spent a lot of time, you know, looking for, for albums of that era. I was, I was introduced to a lot of it through my dad. Right. But it feels like, um, I just, I just kind of missed it. So like that is, but that is a stellar acoustic riff. Yeah. For, like I would that I would not have if you would put a gun to my head and given me a hundred guesses, Dire right. Straits probably wouldn't even have been a hundred and one. Yeah, because like, I wouldn't have yeah. known who the song it was. is. The, the, and I'm gonna play it for you later, like after we get done doing the podcast, because that album is literally like I've sit sat here a couple times and just been like flabbergasted. Like how have I <laughs> how have I not known about this shit before? Like you know, you hear about Dire Straits and like everybody knows Brothers in Arms and they know um, you know Money for Nothing, right? And, sultans of swing from their first album and like they're they're big hits right but like their catalog is like and like the dude mark knopfler in the studio like that was the other thing that i'm so impressed by is how well everything was recorded um oh yeah like that the beginning of that track is where do you hear the rest of it where do you hear the rest of like the guitar work and his tone is so uh distinctive like Mm. as soon as you hear Knopfler's guitar you know right away and like he's super secretive about what he uses uh to get that because so many people have tried to copy it um he's like you know he's up there with like Clapton and like the stratosphere the guitar British guitar gods yeah yeah their discography starts with Sultans of Swing right that was their their debut 1978 yeah it says I'm I don't know that I'm just I'm looking at the information um yeah, their first their first album self titled. Oh, self titled. Yeah, Dire and then, Straits. And then, I see. I was looking at the singles. And that then was communi- the first single. Communique, I think. And mm-hmm. then, um, uh, Fools oh. is Fools Over Gold Cold come next? No, making movies. Making movies, N-A. right? Right, making movies, which is excellent too. So literally, like, oh, see, f- I could quiz you on stuff like this. Yeah, <laughs> their first four albums are just ridiculous. Love over gold. Yeah, I have that on vinyl. Too. I have Love Over Gold and I have Communique and I have Brothers in Arms on vinyl. I, I still am, I'm gonna have to get their self titled and making movies now because they've quickly become like a staple in my like reference system, like my reference playing albums because like it's just so well recorded and like the dude's guitar just it's so good. Um, yeah, it's really I love I love hearing that you know, and we've we've talked about before like the the sort of analog tape world of of recording and how so much care had to be taken not only in recording of it but then in mixing it down to another reel of tape and like four or five engineers all on the same table like doing moves at the same time so anytime you can hear you know a classic record that has been recorded analog in a way like that you realize kind of how far we've come that 
that so many artists have access to that kind of clarity now, just yeah. from a digital perspective. Yeah. Like you can plug a microphone USB straight into your computer, right? And it's not going to sound like you know a hundred thousand dollar studio, right? But it's still going to sound good. Yeah. So I love I love diving back into albums like that now. And that was also like so like the late seventies, early eighties was from what I've read and and what I've heard is when they really started to learn how to really engineer stuff right. to sound that way. Um, because like you get the albums like Super Tramps, Breakfast in America, and you have like because and people shit on that album, but it, when you listen to that, it's a fucking marvel of engineering. Like, okay, the levels of like layers of music in that album. Uh, it's a shame that it got s- destroyed by radio play. Right, and that guy's voice is very polarizing. Well, as I say, that's something again from an album perspective. Whenever I say that I haven't delved into it, I mean usually my first step is to sit down and listen to the album from beginning to yeah. end and be like, "Oh, this is." But yeah, I've never heard. I don't think I've ever heard that whole album yeah. either. Super. Well, yeah, but you have though. So right. like, you've heard <laughs> right, because yeah. there's literally like five top ten singles on that album. Like it's a huge album. So like if you ever listen to ninety three three or MMR in, or YSP in your entire life, oh wow that was seventy nine too. See I didn't yeah. even realize that was seventy nine. So like you've heard almost every song on that album, right? And like the ridiculousness of how well it's recorded. Like I have a beat up vinyl copy of that album, and it's one of my favorite albums to listen to. <laughs> so that like now I have to get a good vinyl pressing of it, like an OG one, okay? Because it's that fucking impressive. And like and I and people are like, what? Like super tramp? Like. But when I go on the present listening page or I go on to other forums where people are in the know with music and recording or I talk to other guys that know, they're like, yeah, dude, that album's known like it's one of the best recorded albums ever made. And people don't even realize it. I've been here six minutes. I already have three records on the (laughs) list that I need to check out. Um, Mission accomplished. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be good. This is why I I can't show up without a little notebook. Um, you have a phone with a with a note. I do. It's the the use your little note thing in your book. The you know, infinite your, notebook. Your iPhone. <laughs> just just make a whole. Just make one folder for me. <laughs> just the Melomaniacs folder. Oh, that's that's a brilliant idea. What I should keep. What I should start doing is making um, making a a playlist or a collection of stuff for when albums are you know just like a link page uh-huh. where we can just we can build a little website and be like on this episode we talked about well you can do that and then put links to each of the songs on spotify you can have a shared playlist oh. where everybody can perfect can put different stuff into the playlist whenever it comes to their mind like me and my buddy john who's a dj up in new york he set one up for me and him on spotify i had no idea you could even do it this was like years ago <laughs> he was way ahead of the curve like he knew how to like work spotify and do all that crazy shit before i even had like a pay spotify account i had like, right. I had, like you know the you know the free one and then i was like okay maybe i'll get on this spotify train but you know now i have both i have spotify and title i'm still waiting for spotify to switch over to high res which <laughs> still hasn't fucking happened it's ridiculous right so I'm paying twenty, thirty something dollars a month to stream music, but whatever. I just won't. Uh, I'll smoke less cigars or something. <laughs> got to, got to make a cut somewhere. I'm kidding. No, I won't. You, no, no. I won't cut out less cigars. I refuse. You also won't sell any speakers either, probably. Um, I feel like we're down to the nitty gritty though. Like I have what two, I see, two, left. Sp- two sets of speakers. Yeah. Well, I have, I, I have tons of bookshelves all, right, all yeah, over yeah. the house. <laughs> Yeah, and like, I do have, I actually have a really nice set of Emotiva towers in the living room. Listening, yeah, listening stations aside. Down here? Yeah, like my main critical listening speakers were down to two pair. Two pair. 
So That's we're down right. to the magnet. I'm real proud of you. The <laughs> magnet. We're down to the magnet transpulse 1500s, which are I've been listening to a lot um, because they have no fatigue. Like they're just very easy to listen to. Yeah. And the low end is so fucking addictive because they get down to like 24 hertz. Oh, when you were playing even the the rough mixes from the Coda track, uh, listening to John Paul Jones bass. Yeah, ripping through these yeah. speakers. I'm a, like, this isn't even mixed because you can tell, you know, that it's mostly high end. You're listening yeah. to like the guitar yeah. and the cymbals and stuff, yeah. but it just comes, it cuts through. Yeah, they're, and the bass is not the kind of thing that cuts through the mix. You right, know, right? Yeah, they're ridiculous speakers for what you pay for them. Um, and the the clips I love because I just like because I can switch them up like when I feel like I need to listen to my tube. So the tube stuff. Right. It doesn't, uh, they can't drive that big 15 inch woofer the same way that my solid state stuff will. Um, Got it. So I have like two solid state amps. I have the, the Crown Class D, which is what we're listening to right now, which is amazing. I can't even believe that that's a fucking Class D amplifier, but it pushes, <laughs> it pushes like 400 something watts a channel in, yeah. into eight ohms. So, now, and this is, this is actually the kind of stuff that we buy yeah, for it's, the theater. It's professional to, stuff. To push, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not really supposed to be. Uh, audiophile quality right. but here's the thing when you have an audiophile tube preamp which is driving it <laughs> yeah it's going to take on the sonic signature of the preamp um you're the only thing you're going to miss a little bit out is the mid-range with a with a class d crown or something like that but when i want to listen to heavy music or like um loud techno electronic hip-hop that kind of shit right dude nothing beats a, a big fucking solid state amplifier and big ass speakers like this <laughs> Um, and that's what I've been listening. You know, I go back and forth. So like when I whist- want to listen to my jazz or uh-huh. I want to listen to like the female acoustic stuff, like, you know, it's lighter shit. I'll listen to my tube amps and I'll bring the clip show over here because they're like a hundred decibel efficiency and it takes nothing to drive them. And they're just, you know, I lose a little bit of that bottom end, but I gain a little bit more in the mid range. Right. Um, but these are three way speakers too. So I don't really lose too much in the mid range. So it's kind of like, and they're big and I don't feel like fucking moving them all the time. Right. So <laughs> yeah, no, they, out of laziness, they just kind of will sit here. They're home <laughs> and they're 95 decibel efficient. So really I can drive any of them, you know, any of my amps will drive them. It's just, you know, what do you want? How loud? Right. Yeah. One of my favorite things to track is like what you're like when you post something on Instagram, like what you're listening to in the morning, mm-hmm. like what you're starting your day with or, oh, yeah. or what's like your come down record or whatever. You know, yeah. um, I like seeing that kind of stuff because I feel like there there there's certainly different. There's records that I probably could listen to any time of day, uh-huh. but there's definitely different, you know, modes Oh yeah. Um, when it comes to like starting a day or ending a day. Yeah, you can't just wake up and listen to Helmet. <laughs> I mean, you could. You can, yeah, you sure. Could, but like, I'm sure I've done it before, like on drugs. <laughs> but like, I can't do it sober. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah. Uh, Forty two, three kids waking up to go to work. It's probably not what I'm going to turn yeah. on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'd like, and and I think about that kind of stuff too with. Uh, when I'm in the car, I feel like I listen to music less and less in the car unless I'm specifically listening to something, um, which in the car it used to just be like where I listened to music, period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now I have, you know, just a different a different feel for it and a different appreciation for, for present listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the, the car has become like, Oh, I got this new CD of my friend's band. I'm going to put it on in the car and I'll listen to it from start to finish. Or mm-hmm. like, 
you know, I haven't listened to this album in a while. I'm going to put that on because I have everything on a USB thumb drive, mm. like 8,000 songs on a thumb drive in my car stereo. Okay. And I've arranged them, like I've numbered the tracks so that internally in the folders, the albums are in chronological order and the songs are in order on the albums. Wow. So, um, just so that if I want to, you know, I can shuffle an artist or I can shuffle, you know, the whole USB drive. But if I want to listen to an album straight through, right. I don't really have to go hunting. Right. It's all like chronologically in my head. Um, but you, when you're in the car, you're captive. So like yeah. you kind of have like that's a good place to like preview that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Or, or so you're or, not going to get pulled away. Yes. Per se. Yeah, or delve into something. It right. used to it, it used to be less present listening when it was just on. Right. Right, right, right. Or like I want to rock out to something. Well, that's just because you live in a house full of people now and you you don't have that t- that's the only time you get to yourself <laughs> yeah, usually. That's true. Yeah. So Yeah, when I walk the dog, I might I might play a song or something while I'm walking, but even then I I catch myself doing a listening to part of a podcast or or something like that. Yeah. But uh, what else? So we're talking about classic rock records. Yeah, today. I was trying. That's where I was trying to go. Segway. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think. So I haven't. I haven't made a point to listen to a lot of classic rock. Um. Besides, you know, when I was young, my dad would always put something on. And, uh, you know, he was DJing a lot for mm-hmm. parties and stuff, not for like the radio. But so he would he would kind of have these go to songs and rarely would I be listening to music with him where he was listening for pleasure. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it was just it would wind up the radio would be on it'd be on the oldie station which you know i know we should probably also define what classic rock is now I was, because dude, you read my mind yeah really yeah because <laughs> classic yeah. i think the like, idea where does that of, start of classic rock has where does that start and where does that end um because it's i guess it's you know we're for we're, us it's different than somebody that's 25 sure yeah. yeah for me it's like kind of beatles onward correct i think i think the beatles kind of ended the era of of what would be considered 50s like that rock and roll you know they kind of ended that era and launched into um the more like drug fueled (laughs) and experimental in a lot of cases well it went from Um, it went from lollipops to like you know that sweet saccharine candy (laughs) pop rock of the 50s and stuff like rock around the clock and all that bullshit and then the Beatles and Bob Dylan kind of really it's where Dylan starts. Right. I think is where classic rock starts for me anyway. Like, yeah. Cause the Beatles definitely had their toes yeah. still in the, the, the Beatles lollipops. and Dylan kind of were on a parallel mm-hmm. and they fed off of each other, I think in a lot of ways, but we're still different. Like they're still their own entity, yeah. which is amazing. Um, but they, I mean, they got high together. Like Dylan introduced them to pot. So right. it was like, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that yeah. bob so Thank like bob that. really for me i think it all begins and ends with with bob dylan of our our classic notion of what modern like mm. classic rock is yeah um, is dylan and then everything else is like what follows that right right um because especially once he plugged in yeah for me it was probably uh donovan which is in that same era yeah you know sure 
and uh, and the Kinks. Yeah, mid sixties. Kind of what made me. Yeah, the yeah. the Kinks was a huge band. Because at the same time, you had I mean bands like the Who and the Rolling Stones had just started right around there. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that's because so you funny. forget how old they are. Yeah, like the Who and like their early stuff. I do not like. Like it's very mod, very British, like very sure. You know, my generation, like that, that, like that. I mean, that's a good song, but like their <laughs> yeah, their first couple albums are a little bit too. Um, you know, they're still that old school. Yeah, and then when they really started to get into like when Townsend just like took over and started doing concept albums, that's when the mm-hmm. Who I think really took off we'll see like that band that we know now and that kind of stuff i should listen to more because i've never i've never been really drawn to the who i've tried a couple of times because i didn't get it till i was older they're like one of jack black's favorite bands yeah and so i was like yeah. oh I, I i need to like the who yeah um and even like in high school you know when i was in musicals and shit we went to we went to uh new york to see tommy yeah, and um, I remember being really into Tommy, and I wanted to listen to the music, but I still like, it still just didn't connect for me. Yeah, I have pretty much all of their records on vinyl right now, and they're all old. Like, and <laughs> whether it was from people gifting to me or like from uh, a few of them I bought, and a few of them were just like given to me. But I had, I literally have, so they're all in like the back section of that, uh, the one to your far right, the one in the Caius bin. So like, which I saw the post that you were jamming yeah. to it the other day. It made me yeah. happy. They're like all the way in the very back. Um, I think I want to say they are. So it's like, um, this is bad for radio, but I just, it's okay. Watch. It's, uh, so I have Tommy, I have live at Leeds. I have, um, what's the other one? The other big quadrophenia, which is ridiculous. Um, mm. I have the, I have all the big ones. I have right. all, all the the important ones. I have at least five. I have the Who by Numbers. <clears throat> so knowing that I too did not super get into the Who, what's like a good place for me to start if I was going to listen to a record and be like, "This is this is what's good about the Who." Um, hmm. Good question. Uh, I would probably have to say, is it not the kids are all right, but uh. The one that's the one that jumps out is the one with Bob O'Reilly. Who's next? Um, who's next? Seventy one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would have to say who's next. I know Baba O'Reilly. Yeah, I mean everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, but it's got bargain, loving for keeping, my wife. I mean, literally the first. I know behind blue eyes too. Does everybody know that one? Yeah. Won't get fooled again. <laughs> everybody knows that one. Um. It's just, it's like almost like a greatest hits album. Like, yeah. That, like, it's literally the entire album just fucking crushes it, dude. Like, okay. That's a good place to start if you just like want to get into them. But I mean, Pinball, like, uh, Tommy is good. But I think some of the recordings on Quadrophenia are absolutely insane. Like, they have this one song called The Beach where it's literally just, you literally feel like you're sitting on the beach in the middle of like a storm. And the waves are crashing in, and it's like that's the opening, like the whole song, like the opening of that song. It's literally you feel like you're like in a boat. Like, that's cool. And it was the beginning of people being able to really get into, like, what I was talking about recording. Townsend was a fucking genius in the studio with okay. like putting things together like that. So like the the concept album, but also 
uh, how things came out of speakers. Like they were the quadrophenia was like also the same time that quadraphonic sound was coming out and they okay. were doing that whole experiment. Um, but like the stuff that he does with speakers and like the way things sound, like they're just, they're, they're very theatrical. Okay. Um, the who, but they can also be very just fucking gnarly and down and dirty. Um, Pearl Jam, like Eddie Vedder is a huge who fan. Um, a lot of his stuff is, his influences by the who a lot of people are. And Daltrey has like one of those voices that's just so fucking masculine. Like he's just like, <laughs> like Daltrey just, I love Daltrey's voice. Dude. Found my rock balls like, right here. Like he looks like this, like he looks like a Robert Plant knockoff when right. you see him. But like, he's so much more masculine like that. Like he was always jacked and like, just always like, he was just fucking screw Like, whereas Robert Plant was very like wispy and like kind of feminine a little bit, but like still masculine and sexy, but like great hair. Yeah. Both of them. Great oh, hair. They both had great hair, but like Daltrey was like more alpha. Like he was just very like super okay. masculine, like, and his voice is very fucking like just tough. Like he's just one of those dudes that just, he sings and you're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will fucking play pinball. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, he can be like, he can be uh, sensitive too, like uh, behind blue eyes. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and his voice in that, it's totally different. And it's, he can't hit a lot of those notes anymore either. Right. It's just like Plant can't hit a lot of those notes anymore. Which, as a side note, uh, Olymp Biscuit did the worst cover ever of Behind Blue Eyes. Nobody should ever cover that song. I just, yeah, it's true. I, I heard it. That's another. That's like one of those bands, like the Police. That like I don't think that they're coverable. Like mm. they're they're just not really a band that you can cover, and still make it work. Like right. Some bands are just very good at being covered, and other bands are just not. I think the Who is one of those bands that I don't think they should ever be covered. Right. Unless you're doing something completely different, and yeah. then if you are like Zeppelin, like who, nobody covers Zeppelin. Right. <laughs> you don't cover them because you have to contend with it's Jimmy Page and it's fucking right and it's John, John Bonham Paul, and like you just can't and Robert Plant like you just can't it's like you can't replicate it and make it sound good yeah yeah no you'd have to you'd have to work really hard and I have a feeling it would that would be your only job would be that you know like get the lead out you know you're a Led Zeppelin you're a Led Zeppelin cover band that's all you do is practice their songs yeah. and play their songs although um, that there was a cover CD that came out in the 90s. Do you remember when they all... Oh, yeah. The Blind tribute. Melon yeah. and, and Stone Temple Pilots. Um, that's what was that called? That was actually really good. That was acceptable. Yeah. Because you had all the I'll best... Find it. You had all the best bands of the 90s covering Led Zeppelin. Um, yeah, the... Uh, what's the... They just did it with the Beatles, too. I think Blind Melon did Out on the Tiles, and it was fantastic because Shannon Hoon has a voice that can kind of replicate Robert Plant. Uh-huh. In a really good way, um, and they, their version of "Out on the Tiles" is fantastic. Um, Stone Temple Pilots did. Uh, what did they do? Somebody did Tangerine. Mm -hmm. Somebody did. Oh man, it's gonna bug the shit out of me now. You have to look. Did it up. Four Non Blondes did yeah. Misty Mountaintop, okay. which was good. It was a good a cover. A comium. Encomium. Encomium. Yes, I had it on CD. That's it. Okay, I had the CD. I was just trying to find the name of it. So yep. yeah, so I actually might still have the CD somewhere. It's a classic. Led Zeppelin covers tribute. It's classic. Yeah, I want the actual CD, not just a playlist that you made up. Damn. Is it not on it. Spotify? It's not probably. That's crazy. 
Um, Excuse me. Iconium, a tribute to Led Zeppelin album. Yeah, I don't think it is, unless I completely missed it. But it was Misty Mountain Hop by Four Non Blondes. Hey, hey, what can I do by Hootie and the Blowfish? Oh, man, that was the throwaway. Um, Cheryl Crow, Dancing Days is what Stone Temple Pilots did. Yes, it was really good. Duran Duran, Blind Melon, Cracker, Cracker, Helmet. Yeah. Did Custard Pie, Rollins Band? Yeah, dude, it's a kick-ass CD. And it's not on any streaming. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to have to find the CD itself. I just bought a CD ripper uh, today. Oh, nice. Because I have so many CDs, and I want to be able to, so like, if I'm doing intros and outros on the podcast, I'd rather... Yeah, do it that it. way than try to record stuff just down here. Like, so sure. like, so literally I had to use Rob's, I put Rob's CD in and played it and had both microphones facing. And that's how I got the intro and outro for our first, me, nice. me and Chris's first episode. Oh, that's awesome. Um, from Rob's uh, Mauna Kea album. Cause I have a CD copy, but I would like to burn it to my, right. And have it so I could run it as a stereo track and then insert it and then be able to mess with it. You know what I mean? Man, working. Now you've worked backwards. We've gone back to vinyl. Now we're working our way slowly <laughs> forward to with the CD burner. Well, when you have a good CD transport, like mm-hmm. I have, and then you have a good DAC to run it out of, going optical or co. I'm actually running coax. Um, it sounds phenomenal. Like my CDs sound really good. Um, yeah, better than I ever thought that they would. Um, but and it's like you know, it's just another medium. But I find that like if I can download them and have that music physically on my computer to use for other things, that's yeah. what, that's what I'm gonna use it for mainly. Um, even if it's like for 10, 15 seconds without getting copyright banged. Right. Yeah, I've definitely stopped collecting CDs unless it's like local bands. Oh yeah. Or somebody put yeah I don't new out, yeah I just have so many of them and I refuse to throw them out. Yeah. So like I filled two Tupperware bins with them. Yeah. And I was like, just stay between, safe and don't melt. Between me and my wife, we both have you know, tons of CDs. She's like, why don't we just throw them? I'm like, no, I'm not throwing them out. I'm like, you never know what's going to happen. I'm like, what if like fucking the world ends and like we have no streaming and like we have no other way of listening to music except for vinyl and fucking CDs. <laughs> I'm not taking <laughs> yeah, no, a chance. I'm not getting rid of them. Nope. Um, they don't take up that much space. And if, if worse comes to worse, you can make weapons and armor out of them. So that's yeah. just keep them, keep them here. Yeah. They're super durable. And, like, you know, they really, when you put them in, like, you know, when you break them out of their jewels and put them into, like, a fucking binder, they really don't take up that much space. Oh, I miss my CD binder. I used yeah, to have mine right over there. <laughs> oh, shit. So what's another, what's another big, like, band that either, either you got into heavily or you think is, like, a quintessential classic rock? sound oh, i mean led zeppelin of course i mean like, yeah so like we came in today and started like i threw that on <laughs> yes because that's i was listening to coda which is the compilation basically a bunch of outtakes that they threw together after john bonham died just as like a money grab i think and a lot of people shit on it but there's some really good like poor tom is, is incredible and then i found this other song called Tri- saint tristan's sword and I'd never heard of it before. And that was the one I played you that was mm-hmm. like instrumental. Yeah. It was like a rough mix. And I'm like, what the, what? There's nothing rough about this mix. Like, it sounds <laughs> fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. And like I was mentioning, some parts, it sounded like what it might have been like a, a, a scratch track where they just go through and they're like, play the song because it very much sounded like one take of drums, guitar, bass. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, they they it sounds incredible, but you can also tell like I'm I'm pretty sure this is not a a collaboration of multiple takes going into a mix. This is just a straight like scratch track of the three of them playing together. Yeah, I think like I came across it because my buddy played um he played for me friends uh the version of friends with the Bombay Orchestra and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And then like the song right after it was this one. Yeah. you get i mean dude like that that is so ridiculous i was like what is this and then it goes on for like it's like a five minute just instrumental of just badassery yeah and it's like beautiful that's why i love about uh, one of the good things about digital streaming is that you find all this stuff and it's right at your fingertips now where like before i mean yeah not that there's and it's so funny because i was just having a conversation with chris and rob um over my last two podcasts about how the accessibility of music now has kids spoiled. And like back when we were growing up, you had to fucking earn your shit. Like you had to go find CDs and find albums and buy it physically. And then like you shared it with your friends and it was a social thing. Whereas now it's just, it's all just right there at your fingertips and you don't have to work for it. And so you don't appreciate it as much. Like it's just there. When I, cause I, I was one of the, I was like the first kid in my in my group to get like a rack system you know where i had the receiver and a cd player and a dual tape i mean it was even i had had no cd player for a while right but i had the dual cassette deck so i could record shit and i yeah. had it all put together and when you when you had a friend who would loan you cassettes and you would put it in the dual deck thing and like dub it on high yeah, speed or whatever. Yeah. Like the day that that friend went home and I had four brand new albums on his head was like, yeah, I had found a treasure trove. Yeah, I can't absolutely. even imagine what it what it would be like to be like, just go to YouTube and listen to the song, put right. it on repeat. Right, right. Oh, it's just so everything. I'm so glad accessible. I have it now. But yeah, it's nice now because like literally like this kind of stuff like I would never find that. Like I would never like all these rough mixes so like they're putting out all this content now mm-hmm. of like of these old albums and like it's just for me it's like more of a treasure trove i'm like ooh, yeah because because let's have they digitized it all like they wouldn't have it's all, re- have all remastered beautifully yeah. and it's like and for me like led zeppelin like i listened to it and i was like dude i've heard all their shit yeah and like it gets to a point where you're like I can't listen to anything off of Led Zeppelin four pretty much ever again. <laughs> so like what I like is listening to their albums, like the way they were like, they're like, I was just, I was listening to three the other day. I didn't realize how, like when you listen to it, the way they wanted you to, I grew up listening to like Led Zeppelin in their greatest hits format. Right. Like I only heard like their yep. box sets and like all that stuff. I didn't have the physical, like actual albums, the way they were meant to be heard. So like you lose out on that like from some of our perspective because of the older albums, the way they were released when mm-hmm. we were growing up. So like Led Zeppelin three is literally like my buddy, Brian put it cool. Brian put it perfectly. He was like, that album is like riding on a Harley motorcycle, like ripping down the road on a Harley <laughs> for the first side. And then the second side is like, you pull over and have like an English tea break because like the second side is literally like a whole different album. Right. It's a like completely the, different vibe. The first, the first side is like immigrant song, which knocks you in the balls. Like from the very beginning, it's like the most aggressive fucking just, 
prototypical Led Zeppelin, like testosterone uh-huh. rock, cock rock music. And then the next four songs are all similar, like very hard and heavy. And then the second side's like Bronyar Stomp and like That's the Way. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. all this acoustic Middle Eastern y, like really like different shit. So it's like two different albums in one. But like you didn't know that because like when I was growing up, I heard those songs chopped apart and thrown into I had a four disc box set that was my introduction to to fucking Led Zeppelin. Other than the movie song remains the same. Like that that record at the live right. Madison Square Garden show. So like that was those were like my introductions to it. Or the first time I heard Led Zeppelin technically was we were at a mountain house in the Poconos and I was like twelve or thirteen and I found a vinyl collection and a record player in a closet and I fucking threw on um what was it? Uh Song Remains the Same. And the first time I heard I don't know, I think it was Achilles Last Stand, and I was just like, What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> or like um uh, what was the other one that I saw a video on MTV uh, one time and it was um, Over the Hills and Far Away, which is still to this day one of my top, probably my top five favorite Led Zeppelin songs ever made. And I'm just like those songs, like those were my introductions to Led Zeppelin when I was in like, you know, seventh, eighth grade. And then in high school, I didn't realize everybody else was already like way into it, <laughs> way ahead of me on the curve. Cause my parents didn't really, they weren't big Led Zeppelin people. They were more like, right. Listen to more, you know, kind of softer, like Laurel Canyon type shit, like Jackson Brown and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Joni Mitchell and all that kind of stuff. They weren't real into like Sabbath or like, you right. know, Zeppelin or, you know, like the cock rock stuff. But I got into that later on. Yeah. My dad was always, not not a huge fan of like Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. The stuff that was more rock and blues side of it, he was less interested in than like the Kinks and the and the Beatles and stuff like that. But I had older siblings, so my first exposure to Led Zeppelin was actually the album four because they had it on vinyl, and uh, uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time played guitar, and she played the flute so they used to play stairway to heaven he would play it on the guitar and she would play the flute part with it in the beginning did she play tall <laughs> no 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 <laughs> she didn't practice that much but that would have been good I that mean, was another one of my I dad's play me some aqua lung jethro jethro tall was another one that i was you know exposed to at this time yeah i didn't but get into four, that until high school either four was all i had for the longest time so those were the only led zeppelin songs i knew or, till around the same time yeah. in high school because again you did you misty mountain to, stairway to heaven like yep. you could black dog you literally black name dog, every oh single song like everybody knows four yeah yeah and so but I never again because we couldn't just go. What other songs do they have? Let me check my device. Yeah, you know I would have had to go out and actually buy buy them on CD or you know I'm sure I heard Immigrant Song on the radio or yeah. something. And that's actually the first time I heard Donovan was we were listening to the oldie station. We were doing like a run, you know, to get groceries or whatever. He's like uh, Season of the Witch. Right? Yes, yeah. Season of the Witch, yeah. Hurdy Gurdy Man, such a sweet song, stuff like that, and um, Sunshine Superman came on the the radio and i remember asking my dad like who is this mm-hmm. i said because it kind of sounds like the beatles but kind of not mm-hmm. and uh that's when he was like oh you actually like this and then put me down with donovan mm-hmm. and that actually opened the door for him to be like well here are my favorite bands and jethro tall was one and uh donovan and i remember the first time he played jethro tall for me i turned to him and i said i can't even imagine what it was like 
to hear this for the first time. Right. Like to hear somebody ripping it up with the flute. Right. And and even beyond that, I think Jethro Tull's like song structure. And oh, just the, the dude's way a composing write, genius. Yeah. Like it was it had to be like, you know, what people equate like listening to Tool or like progressive metal. Yeah, yeah. It was just like so far gone from the the typical rock and roll song structure. Absolutely. So yeah. I I listened to it as opposed to Led Zeppelin, you know, I listened to Jethro Tull a lot with dad it's hard for me to listen to now though like jethro tull sounds so dated to me now yeah like yeah i I get it and i totally appreciate it but like it's not something that i just throw on and be like yeah fucking tall like i did that like i had i had the jethro tull like greatest hits like for a few years Mm -hmm. in high school that i loved and i have aqualung here on vinyl and yeah and i it's it's, dude it's it's super impressive great album yeah it's it's, so good it's super impressive it's just like it's not my like it's now like i just can't it's just I don't know. It just doesn't do as much for me as it did back then because I was I never heard a flute played like that. But like, yeah, it, it's good in a vacuum. But like, it's hard for me to like sit here and I listen to it now. And it just sounds really old and dated to me. Yeah, for some no, reason. I would I would agree with that. Like, it didn't really stand the test of time as far as, um, you know, in a world where I can put on the kinks today and right. fucking bang my head right. like it's Nirvana. Right. Um. Like yeah, I, I can with, listen to like the police mm-hmm. or like REM and n- like some of their stuff never sounds dated to me at all. Like I just, it doesn't sound like you, you could play it now right. on the radio and it would still work. Yeah. Especially REM, especially REM. Yeah. I think having, um, having very specific interests from my father and a lack of exposure otherwise because nobody else was really putting me down with <laughs> with classic rock mm. um you know i didn't have like like i was that friend in school who was like listen to this band listen to this band um so i didn't have i didn't really have anybody besides like my brother who was considerably older you know he's 10 years older than me so mm. he was he was giving me stuff like acdc more in that like 80s mm-hmm. metal world um and extreme and stuff like that yeah but i i pretty much gravitated around that oh i got i got fucking way into janice joplin uh, yeah, the first time I heard uh, me and Bobby McGee, mm-hmm. her voice on that song, mm. I just fell in love. So I love summertime. So I I rocked a whole bunch of Janis Joplin once I I finally had exposure to that too. I think her version of summertime, summertime, like her voice on that song, still gives me goosebumps yeah. every time I hear it <laughs> because it's so she's just got so much soul and like just uh, so sexy at the same time. But like so heartbroken, like she combines everything. Like, if you could like compose a perfect voice for the blues, like it's hard, yeah. really hard to beat. That's why, like, that's why I love Shannon Hoon on a molecular level because he's literally like a male version of Janis Joplin. Like his <laughs> the, voice, the his voice is literally like a male version of Janis Joplin. Manis Joplin. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love Joplin. I got into that a lot. Um, I didn't get in like the Grateful Dead were a big part of my experience, only mm. because in high school, 
I kind of fell into that crowd because it was a lot of drug use. Sure. And that came with it. Yeah, so no, like, I never got into them. Yeah. And I'm like, I can still listen to some Grateful Dead now and appreciate it, but it's not something that I can just like throw on all the time. Like American Beauty, that album, I can mm-hmm. play that pretty much anytime because it's super easy to listen to. If you're ever going to get into the Grateful Dead and like just want to, easy introductory course like right american beauty is is the way to go especially on vinyl um it's one of my favorite vinyl albums actually because i can throw on whenever yeah and i had super chill um i had no one around me that listened to them no my, my parents hate the grateful dead later. like they don't they don't like the grateful <laughs> dead at all and like i was listening to them, they're like we can't believe you're listening to that shit <laughs> get out of this house. and i'm like whatever i'm like you listen to jackson brown fucking guy sucks and now i love jackson brown like i absolutely love jackson brown but yeah I, my parents were like yeah they loved they were they were like into like jackson brown i love weaponizing music taste That's yeah so good. they were into jackson brown and like um all the you know csny and and joni mitchell and yeah. Um, and then a lot of like the 80s stuff too. I mean, my mom was a big Springsteen person. Like, even like all his, all my Springsteen influence came from my mom. Yeah. And my stepdad was more like America and like acoustic stuff. Yeah. Um, he used to play the guitar. So, like, America, he would play all America shit on the guitar all the time. <coughs> but um, my mom was like more Joan Baez, Jenny, Janice, uh, Janice Joplin, Joan Armitrading, I got from my mom. Right. Um, Joni Mitchell, especially uh, Frank Sinatra on the weekends, um, and then you know classic rock wise. They, my parents didn't listen to a lot of like the normal, like the Stones and Zeppelin and mm-hmm. the Who. Like they weren't really into that shit. I had to get into it later on. Rolling Stones was another band yeah. that was my dad's. Yeah, my dad's favorites were certainly now that I realize that he listened to like all British rock. It was like yeah. the Beatles and the yeah. Stones and the Which Kings. is cool, dude, because British yeah. shit is amazing. Um but yeah, he was my it's it's funny, I got such a love for music from my mother. Yeah, me too. Because she was a singer. Um but like there's nothing really specific music wise that I remember being into. Like she I grew up with her listening to Yanni, like we used to make fun of her oh for God. listening to Yanni because she right. just, she just listened to it as like relaxing background music. Yeah, yeah. And like, I know she loves, I know she loves the Beatles and, and she, she yeah. fucking rocks out to locomotive breath and stuff like that. <laughs> but there was never anything specific. I think that she really, you know, it, it was really that first time in the car where, I kind of broke open the door for my dad to be like, and I had to like coax it out of like, what else did you listen to as a kid? Like put me down with this some right. cool stuff. Right. Um, but what I was able to discover along the way, I think I, I feel like I've never had, um, I never had a, a serious exposure to anything beyond like, the most popular classic rock. But then once I got talking to my dad, like in a podcast world, he would start telling me about bands that he would go see in, um, locally. God, now I can't think of any of them, but there, there was just, there's stuff that he would bring up. That's like, Oh, you've probably never heard of this band, but we went and we went, we, we went to see him and they, there's this album. Right. Um, Oh, Sorry, I just totally got sidetracked. Um, 
It happens. I'm just trying to think of this fucking band. Because he told me this whole story about like going to the concert and, um, you know, the band like blowing up. But you don't listen to like, so like you don't ever get into like classic rock now that like you weren't exposed to like just like on a whim. Um, Unless I suggested. (laughs) Unless you've suggested it. You know, Queen was a big one that like I I always knew Queen's big hits. Yeah. And so um, when the when the like best of there's like a three disc best of album for Queen came out. Um, I gave that a whirl. It, it just, there, there's something, the vibe has to be so right for me to get into it. And like with yeah. the, with the kinks, the reason why I still rock the kinks is because I feel like they're one of the, the godfathers of grunge. And that's like my style of music. I love their messy guitars. Mm-hmm. I love the vocals. I love the way it was recorded. And I love that there's stuff that's like chill too, like yeah. Sunday afternoon and, and like Ape Man is such a weird song. They're a band but it's that so I good. they're a band that I kind of uh I feel guilty that I never really got into. Yeah. They're, they're not they've always been on my periphery and my radar and I'm not I don't not like them. I just never really got yeah. into them. Yeah. Well, and that's another one of those bands that my dad was like, oh, you like this? Because yeah. I was listening to Nirvana and yeah. Pearl Jam and all yeah. that stuff. He's like, check check this out. Yeah, I mean, they're huge. And Ray Davies is huge. Yeah. Blown away. But yeah, like when, when I tried to kind of delve into Queen, I basically got like, I'm very impressed again with the songwriting, but like, it's just not really something that I, I feel like, I, you know, I put on an album and it moves me. Right. So you, you, know. were, you were talking about this. I can't. Even, I'm not even gonna get into Queen because I fucking hate them. Oh, so I'm just gonna <laughs> oh, that could be a whole other episode. right then. over Queen. <laughs> I love. I Freddie Mercury's super talented. Love him to death. Yeah, but I just their music just grates on my fucking soul. Like I just can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So like you were talking about the Rolling Stones. Yes. Um. So like, do you are you like versed in like their discography or like you just no like you just like no them? not really no it was just another one of the bands that my dad was way into oh, okay and so like i knew i didn't know if you like ended up getting into them or not no i knew again i knew the hits right. um but it but it, i never i was never it's like it's kind of like the doors like people play the doors for me and i'm like never got into them either they're okay <laughs> really yeah so see, I they never see really i love into... i love the doors and i was my parents my mom exposed me to the doors growing up yeah that's another band that i it sounds very dated to me now yeah like the organs and everything and and not to take anything from ray manzarek and like and and jim morrison's voice and like they're just fantastic yeah but like for me now i just have outgrown it like i just can't like it's good and i it just has its place yeah but for me to hear it now it just sounds dated to me you know what i mean like i just right i can't super get into it anymore like certain songs i can hear and it's usually stuff that i don't know Mm -hmm. like if because i've heard it all and I could only listen to so much of it before it's like, even Pearl Jam stuff. Like, there's only certain songs I can hear anymore where I'm just like, oh, like uh, now I want to hear all their B sides and all the shit that they never yeah. released. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear that. Live I- that interests shit that me. You know what I mean? But like anything else, it's kind of like meh. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, well, the Stones were kind of in that same world for me, where there was a I resurgence. That too. There was a resurgence in the 90s. I feel like they had, like, a best of album. No, they put out a new album or something, yeah, they didn't had, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a big deal. It had the uh, the big mouth on it. That's yeah, all yeah. I remember. Yeah. 
Um, and so there was a bit of a resurgence, and that's when I was like, oh, let's listen to their old stuff. Yeah. But again, it didn't really move me, at least what I heard. So I didn't grow up with a lot of exposure to the Rolling Stones in, in my house, um, per se, but it was always there because of 93.3 and, and, uh-huh. and listening to stuff on the job site with my dad. That's all he listened to is classic rock. <laughs> so like that I was exposed to that, but then I went to college and I had a, a buddy of mine who was basically like a roommate almost, and we really buddied up. He was from Delco, and I was from Delco, and we kind of like stuck together up in Pittsburgh. Okay. And we're still friends. And he is a huge Rolling Stones fan. Like, and like, I mean, to the point where it's like ridiculous. So, like, we would get drunk and like he would play me like stuff. And, and I was never into super into Elton John either. And he started playing, like, turned me on to a lot of Elton John. Huh. And I was like, okay. Like, I totally. Like, so, like, I started hearing these songs that I hadn't heard on the radio, like She's a Rainbow and, um, you know, stuff off of Exile on Main Street, and which I didn't get into really until I got older, and which is a whole nother fucking bag of worms. Like, if you okay. want to talk about, like, the easily probably, in my opinion, the best Rolling Stones album, it's, it's, it's Exile on Main Street. I mean, it's, like, the perfect fucking blues uh, double album. They recorded it at this mansion in paris that was like haunted and like they all they did was do drugs for like four or five months there and like (laughs) it was just complete like you know just debauchery and uh like some of the like some of the songs on it are just But yeah, I mean, like, that's past the wine, Sophia Loren. And like, so that that album had such a cool, gritty, like, Mm. fucking bluesy vibe to it. And it was recorded so fucking perfectly that it's like, it's it's definitely in my top. And I didn't really get into that one until I got older. Um, But I was exposed to a lot of their greatest hits and a lot of their, you know, their their hot rocks was their their famous, you know, collection of of all their big stuff when getting drunk and listening it's great drinking music <laughs> um but it, i got older on that album exile main street and then i got a vinyl copy of emotional rescue which is like a 80 early 80s okay album maybe late 70s no late 70s so it's like it's got a disco vibe like disco and reggae vibe to okay. it and it's like probably my favorite fucking rolling stones album now because it's got it's so out of left field and it doesn't sound like any of their other shit and that's probably why I like it. Yeah. And like everybody else hates it. And that's probably why I like it too. Um, but like, and I've talked about it down here. I've like had a couple friends down here and I've like played them stuff on them. But they're like, this is a fucking Rolling Stones. Like what, like what is this? See, that's the kind of stuff that I, I want to hear and I want to look for because the Rolling Stones as a sound, while I think it's solid and everybody's talented, it didn't, it never really excited me. Yeah. Um, like this? The way that something like... <laughs> He's doing like a Bee Gees cover. <laughs> little slappy bass? Dude, I'm telling you, this album is a fucking <laughs> banger. 
This is still Exile on Main Street? No, this is Emotional Rescue. This is the title track off of Emotional Rescue. So it's still very Rolling Stones. Sure. But it's yeah, yeah. it's also funky and disco and like it's fantastic. Doo, doo, doo. I wonder how it was received. No, people at hated the time. it. People okay. didn't like it. It's still like diehard Stones fans don't like this album. Alright, that's something I get to ask my dad about next time I see him. Like, what do you think of Emotional Rescue? Oh, dude, album? I'm gonna play more of that later. I bet before he you leave it. Oh, he probably hates it, yeah. I bet he hates it. Yeah. I mean he's not necessarily. If he's a purist, if he's like a kinks guy, like he's not gonna be into like disco stones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like you know He's like, Oh my god, that's awful. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't hate Burn it. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> there's there's definitely plenty of disco when you're DJing weddings. But I feel like that's when I fucking love disco sometimes. Oh too. my god. Well see, I can I can listen to it now, but it still feels like there's guilty a, pleasure. There's a big degree of of uh Dude, did you see that BG's knowing... documentary? It was no, fucking ridiculous, I didn't. dude. I it was so good. Really good. It's things. so good. And I was like, cause they go into their whole process and like how fucking creative those dudes were. And they're also studio fucking geniuses, like right. throwing together. How many? They wrote so many hit songs for other people that, like, you don't even know. Like, it's ridiculous how huh. many songs they wrote for other people on top of what they did. Like, they've made it's crazy. It's huh. so crazy. I had no idea either. No, I'll definitely check it out. But I will say that dis- disco is like probably the. I'm sure there are some songs that my dad would like, but it's like the country music of classic rock for him. You know, it's like yeah. he's like, no, this is yeah, this is impure. No, I get it. Um, n- not that I want to keep talking about bands that I don't care for, but <laughs> it it does it does lead me it's down. It's a fun topic. Well, it, it leads me, it interests me because I had such minimal exposure to classic rock that whenever there's something that didn't catch me and I was like, eh, but you know, like I'm going to go check out Emotional Rescue yeah. because I need to hear that album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it, it's, you know, I, it's certainly gotten me in troubles in some circles of, um, of drug users or men in their forties. Uh, who are purists, but I never really got into Pink Floyd. I do not like Pink Floyd. Okay, good. I was so nervous. I like. I love to say. I love. <laughs> dude, I catch so much shit from people too, because uh, everybody I know, it's like. So I went to high school, and that was like, dude. Everybody listened to fucking the Wall like nonstop. Yeah, there was. I yeah, hate that fucking everywhere. album. I hate their <laughs> whiny shit. So like, I literally, I can do Dark Side of the Moon is a masterpiece. I do like. Some I can, songs on Dark and Side I don't care if I sound like a total casual tourist, like Pink Floyd listener, <laughs> because I am, and I they fucking suck in my book. So like, I love Dark Side of the Moon. Like I, I love that album, and I don't care. I'm not afraid to say it. Like it, dude. When I play it down here for people, it blows your fucking mind because right. of how ridiculous that album was engineered like for it to sound what happens with the speakers and when you play it on vinyl down here like it's it's magical it really is and it, especially from start to finish it's just, you can't pick that album right. apart it's you got to play it in its entirety yeah it's an experience while watching wizard of oz right and i did that on <laughs> mushrooms and i guarantee you like that all that shit's true yeah no i remember it'll, doing it'll it. melt your brain i remember doing it in high school we had a we had a watch party um we had a watch party. Our one friend who actually had the internet, who figured out, you know, how you were supposed to line stuff up. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, no, it, um, it totally does. It blows your mind. But yeah, I, you know, I never. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I, I always feel guilty that I'm not like 
Oh yeah, by the way, Pink Floyd. Yeah, no, <laughs> nope. no. I, I was like, what am I missing? It's bad. I shouldn't have said that they suck because they don't. I really respect their musicianship. Right. It's just that's my knee jerk dickhead reaction. Is just like fuck, <laughs> they suck, dude. Like when they don't, they don't. Like I totally give props to Pink Floyd, and I like some of their right. stuff, but I can't sit here and just throw on the wall or fucking Division Bell or like what? Yeah, uh, you know. I remember Division Bell came out. It was in the eighties. In the okay, yeah, yeah. because I re- specifically remember that. Animals album. isn't bad. Animals is kind of has some decent stuff on it. Okay, but it's just some of it just sounds all the same to me. Like a lot of it just fucking whiny shit, and like I can only hear "Wish You Were Here" and "Comfortably Numb" so many fucking times. You know, right. Or another brick in the wall. Like fuck that song, dude. Um, <clears throat> what was the? So like, okay, so I came across this album. So it was like their earlier. I actually like their earlier shit. So like metal from two, 1971. Okay. Um, M e d d l e uh, is like considered like one of their better earlier ones. And there's one song on it called Fearless, and it literally blew my fucking mind the first time I heard it. I was watching a movie. Um, Everybody wants some. So it was a uh, the guy who did Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linklater. The director. Okay. So he did that movie, and then he did an, uh, another movie like five, six years ago called Everybody Wants Some, which was based in the 80s, and it was about a college baseball team and all these guys. Like Basically, it was like Daisy Confused, but in college. And uh, they follow it. And so like the one guy is this hippie pitcher. And he's totally into just like getting high and like and playing music and like he's like this it turns out he's like an older dude who like lied about his age to get on the team and he's still like, you know. Okay. But he plays this song that I'm about to play, it's called uh, Fearless from the metal album. And the first time I heard it, I was like he explains the way he explains it, they're sitting around smoking a bong and he was just like he goes into like how perfect this was and like how like the recording and like they don't make songs like this anymore and like because this is like 1980 something and this album okay. like 71 but i heard this and i was like oh my god the way it crescendos and just like builds and then like it's just doesn't sound like normal pink floyd to me like it does but it's so much better it's got like chanting in the background of like monks and shit like it's it's wild Yeah, see, that's cool. That's cool as hell. This is the album. fucking good dude you know what I always I guess what I always thought <laughs> what I always thought of Pink Floyd was it seemed like they were just gonna like try whatever and they just kind of got lucky that people liked what they did right all right <laughs> like we're just gonna play this instrument and this but this is a nice this is a good like blend of sounds and 
Yeah, it's it's super tight, and I, I play that all the time for people that are like that are like me that aren't big Floyd fans, and I'm like, I bet you I can play you a Floyd song that you'll like. Uh, I wish my I wish my father had a cell phone. I would seriously text him to see what this band is that I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, see, there's like there's totally so gonna many... get fucking copyright dinged on that. When I play that for like two <laughs> minutes. I'm gonna have to like chop that one down a little bit. I think. Um, there's stuff that I feel like. You know, people have told me I should listen to that I haven't yet, um, like the Stooges and yes, um, yeah, I'm kind of on board with that stuff like that. Um, God, what is it? Alabama something? You know who I've gotten into lately? Um, besides Dire Streets, I've been listening mm. to a lot of Rod Stewart and uh, the Faces and stuff like that lately. Really? Yeah, dude. Rod I mean, I have Rod... seen I have seen some of the Rod Stewart album covers. Dude, Rod No, Rod Stewart's first four albums are fucking gold. Like they're wow. so good, dude. Like they're so like he got really cheesy like towards like the late late seventies sure. and especially into the eighties. Yeah. But like his early seventies shit is fucking ridiculous, and he's got one of the best voices ever. Like, I love Rod Stewart's voice. Like, you can't deny. Like, the dude's got, like, one of the best voices of all time. I will. I the, <laughs> I always remember him as my best friend growing up. It was his mom's favorite singer. Like, she would talk about Rod Stewart all oh, the dude, time. Oh, dude, he was a penny dropper. <laughs> like, you literally, you put on Rod Stewart to get laid back in the day, dude. Chicks <laughs> loved Rod. He got more ass than a toilet seat that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like still does like it crushes it oh my god and he looks like a toad like it doesn't matter like he <laughs> sings his ass off dude. right sure well you know i don't you know forever young is my impression of of rod stewart you know that's which again like you said you know great absolutely great voice mine was young um, turks that was the first rod stewart song i ever heard. okay from the eighties because I remember the video was so, so, what, was so cool. Okay, hold on, I gotta pull. I can't believe I'm gonna do this on Spotify. I'm gonna pull up Rod Stewart and see the album list. This oh, yeah. is how much I trust you. Did his first four albums? So Gasoline Alley. Um, <clears throat> what's the other one that I have? Ten million monthly listeners. Yeah, dude. Stewart's a legend. Let's see. Atlantic Crossing. Yep. Seventy five. That's a good one. Damn. See it anywhere. Anything from like sixty nine or seventy to seventy five is like okay. just fucking money. Yeah, the the hair once we get to the album covers of nineteen eighty, it literally just becomes pictures of his face and hair. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, gasoline alley. Yep, that's the seventies. Every picture tells a story. Oh, dude, it's so good. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. I had that on um vinyl and I bought it on a whim just to see what it because I saw it for super True cheap. Blue. And I love it. I have Gasoline Alley and... Um, Twisting the Night Away? <laughs> yeah. You would think it would be really bad, but it's not. And Smiler from 74. These are the first four, I guess. Yeah. Hey, man. I Like I said, I'm going to give it a shot. Dude, Rod Stewart, like I said, if you stick within... Uh-huh. Like, from Atlantic Crossing back, <laughs> like, his first one, two, three, four, five, like, four or five albums. January 1st, night. Even A Night on the Town in 75 is still decent. But then he gets, starts getting a little corny, like, 76, foot loose and fancy free. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> but, like, before that, like, I have, like, Never a Dull Moment has, uh, it's a lot of covers. Uh-huh. Um, but it's got, uh, what's the one? He's, dude, he does... One of the best angel covers. So like Jimmy Jimmy Hendrix song. Sure. 
And Rod Stewart just crushes it. Absolutely crushes it. Oh, man, he is a goblin. The picture on the front of camouflage is just too much. It's too much. 1984 in full effect. Yeah. He's got bleach tips and everything. Yeah. His band is really good. That's the thing. Yeah. He always had an awesome band. It's cool. It's cool. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like Rod Stewart. I'm going to call mom when I leave here. Guess what I did today? Listen to Rod Stewart. I hung out with my, my buddy and we listened to Rod Stewart. Yeah. And we lit candles. She's going to be like, I'm going to go now. <laughs> and you're going to tell me where you've hidden my son. He does really good, soulful, like, yeah. Just something told me it was over. <laughs> when I saw you and him talking. Like, yeah, dude. Like fucking Rod Stewart. Money. He's money. Crazy. He type. doesn't even know it. <clears throat> well, I I mean that's would you classify him as a classic rock oh, artist? Absolutely. Or is it like a... Absolutely. He's classic rock. And the faces, his band with Ronnie Wood from Rolling Stones, it's a whole other mm. bag of worms, a whole other wormhole okay. to go down. They're fucking ridiculous, too. Faces. Who else? Um, Damn. I mean, we touched on a lot of the biggie ones. I mean, I had a, I had a huge <clears throat> love affair with uh, all Jimi Hendrix stuff for a while as a kid. In high school. I, yeah, like I said, my dad was not into him, so yeah. all I knew was was yeah, Purple Haze and yeah, yeah. All Along the Watchtower. Yeah. And my buddy John, who coincidentally also got me into the Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff, right. he was the first one to just start sending CDs with me. And he was like, no, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. And man, I... I mean, like, as a guitarist, you kind of are supposed to like Jimi Hendrix. Right, right. But... Even even you know the whole experience like the the band was so solid yeah. and he wrote some incredible songs right um yeah I think um I think he'll always be um I will one of my one of my I like his blues stuff yeah better than yeah. so like his BBC stuff like his like the stuff that they released later on like there's literally he has an album out on streaming just called um blues and it's literally just all of his best blues covers like live and rec and studio stuff and it it blows my mind every time i listen to it like uh, yeah his, he, his bluesy shit is ridiculous <clears throat> just like pure blues yeah and i've i've watched um you know, a handful of videos on YouTube of him playing live, and it's just unreal to watch him as like a as a force of nature. Yeah, and it's totally unfair to energy. watch it in that medium. Like, yeah, you had to be there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we just we missed out. Yeah, on that we, boat. Missed, <laughs> we missed like, the we, boat. There's no way they're ever going to get that back. I have. Uh, can I tell you a short, quick little? I have a great story yeah. about my my Jimi Hendrix. A Jimi Hendrix moment from very early on in high school for me. Um, I worked in a restaurant, and I was I was young, 
and everybody in the restaurant got high. Right. And like I had I had smoked weed a couple of times, but I had not like I wasn't like getting high all the time. You know, mm-hmm. like I wasn't a pro. Right. And uh one night, you know, after work, I was I didn't even have a license yet. I, I was like You had what we call a chipper. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So I I needed a ride home. And uh, you know the 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 cook, the line cook that was there was like, yeah, we're we're good, man. We'll give him a ride home, no big deal. And it wound up being four of us in a car. They gave me the passenger seat. Yes. And these other and these three like grown ass men, basically just all lighting joints and passing everything around. So I got completely baked out of my mind while we were driving around. We could have been driving around this car for two days. Yep. I, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. And the, the music is playing, and this guitar is shredding. And we're driving around, and it's taking way too long to get home because, you know, they're just going in circles and shit. And I look, and I turn to the driver, and I remember just being baked out of my head, and I was like, who is this? (laughs) Pointing at the the radio, and he just turns to me, and he goes, it's God. (laughs) (laughs) And I, like, I'm like, okay, don't answer me then, you know? And I just kind of chill back in my chair, and I'm like, don't be a weirdo, don't be a weirdo, you know? And we drove it, like, like, Two songs later, I finally look over and I'm like, because it's Jimi Hendrix. That's why you called him God. And the dude was like, oh, my God. He's like, yeah, let me like, take that joint off you, son. It just like snapped back into reality two songs later. Right. So that's like my first my first memory of of Jimi Hendrix. And then and then my my buddy John putting me down with a, a whole bunch of albums. Mine was I mine was Foxy it. Lady from fucking Wayne's oh, World. Yes, yeah. Wayne's World. Yeah, the classic scene with Garth. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. I I will. I, I all along the Watchtower is um, that opening riff is something that like I learned how to play when I was first playing guitar. So I would play that opening riff all the time, yeah. and in my head I would just go like I would do yeah. the solo because I wasn't good enough to play any of yeah. that yet. But I love that. Mine's Voodoo Child, the opening oh, riff to Voodoo, Voodoo Child. Child. Yes. Which is so funny because in his career, like I watched wrestling like later on in my life, and that became Hulk Hogan's fucking walkout. Was music. it really? He oh came my God. out. So when he was a bad guy, when he turned heel, right, and he wore the all black, and he was dyeing oh his fucking hair God. and his beard black, and he came, he was with the NWO in wcw right he made he dude he God. turned into a way better character as a bad guy right and he used to come out to fucking voodoo child so like literally he would come out and he would do the thing like i'm standing next to and he comes out and he's chopping down <laughs> doing it like hulk hogan's <laughs> doing it like his hulk hogan bravado and it was just so good dude the opening of Voodoo Child is also the first thing you play whenever you plug your wah pedal in. That's also <laughs> right. that's the first thing I played when I got a wah pedal. But like when that when that, when that guitar comes in, when it's like like yeah. dude, that that song is just so iconic. Yeah, the thing that I love, uh, that I truly love as both a musician, well, as a musician, a guitar player, and as a recording engineer, is like listening to um the space in between hendrix stuff like they you hear the sound of the thing being plugged in yeah or the you know the the amp being turned up or when he you know when he lets go of the strings like 
yeah. on certain electric guitars, you know, the, there's a buzz right. in the string if you're not. And it's the one thing they tell you when they're recording is like, even if you're not playing, leave a hand on the string so that it you doesn't know, reverb. You're grounding the yeah. buzz. Yeah. And, um, but like hearing all the in between of him changing, changing, um, he's the, so the raw. Pickups. He's so yeah. raw, dude. Yeah. Changing back and forth between pickups and, yeah. and like, that kind of I loved that aspect of his recordings that they didn't try and cut that stuff out. Yeah. So that's something that I still appreciate about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it was like Hendrix was like blew my mind and Jimmy Page's stuff blew my mind. Like I'd never heard anybody play guitar the way I heard yeah. Jimmy Page play the guitar with the fucking bow <laughs> or playing with a bow and shit. Like <laughs> when you watch like and then it's another band that like you can't really get it can't really understand until you see it like if you were there live and it's like song remains the same that fucking have you ever seen that uh-uh. no. so it's like basically the movie that they made to go with the madison square garden performance from like 1970 something at the at their peak and it they literally like so and there's these little vignettes in between the performances of like each band member has their own little like weird vignette so like plant is like a fucking viking and like and then he's like on a, like a Norse Viking on like the shore and like he's like searching for like his woman and like Jimmy Page has his fucking thing and then John Bonham's racing a fucking race car. Oh, okay. It's got all these little vignettes cut into it and then and then they cut back to like the show of like the band coming out like their and their their manager was this gigantic Peter Nor- Peter whatever his name was was this gigantic dude who was like like a bouncer and he would like he would just yell at people and like get everything done behind the scenes and it's just fascinating <laughs> like if you, you have to see it. like if you're a Led Zeppelin fan at all like song yeah, I can't believe I haven't seen this and it's old like they made it like back then and it's still like still t- stands the test of time as like one of the best rock documentaries slash movies like ever made because. And the performance of every song is just spot on. Like, they were at their peak. Song remains the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good one. No, I'll definitely have to check it out. But I think in the classic rock, like, other bands that jumped to mind later on, New Age stuff, like uh, Talking Heads, I've really been getting into a lot more. Like, their older, their, their older catalog. Um, David Byrne's a fucking genius. Um, I bought a, I bought a couple of vinyl copies of their old shit from the the late seventies, and it's like, holy shit! How did I not get into like the Talking Heads? <laughs> like I knew all their, you know, I knew all their eighties stuff, like burning down the house, and you know when they really blew up. Right. Um, Remain in Light was their big, you know, their huge album, and but then like I like their earlier stuff, which is like really super catchy and different, uh, with Psycho Killer and all that shit on it. Right, um, and then I got in, you know, and of course the police are on that whole new wave bend, like right in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, I still consider police definitely classic rock, even though they they got a lot of their hits in the in the eighties. Yeah, um, I could literally I could put on the police any time of day and still enjoy it immensely. Uh, who else? I mean, then you start getting into the eighties stuff, but. Yeah, Talking Heads go back to seventy seven. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was the first one. Yep. Um It's literally Talking Heads seventy seven. Yeah. I mean we mentioned we already mentioned like Bob Dylan and mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Crosby Sills Nash and Neil Young. Like I have a huge spot for Neil Young. Any of his stuff uh, I can listen to any time of day. Um and he's another one of those artists that's polarizing both Yeah. Politically and his voice. Like a lot of people are like, I can't take that 
that voice. Um, but I, I love Neil Young. He was like the godfather of grunge, dude. I mean, like he's like the one that he was doing all that shit before the nineties. Yeah. Like, that whole sound. And then like, you can hear like some of Pearl Jam's like they're some of their catalogs literally lifted right out of fucking Neil Young's catalog, <laughs> dude. Like red mosquito and like some of the yes, stuff off. I was of, say, you can definitely hear the inspiration. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff off of No Code was like, oh my god, because they were recording with him. That was the same time they did like Merkin Ball and all that shit, where they the they were basically his backup band for that album. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. A lot of I would say probably a, a decent amount of the rest of the '70s stuff uh, that I got into probably is just is just too deep into folk. So you know, like Simon and Garfunkel. I love, but yeah. I, I don't necessarily consider them classic rock, even if they had some. Well, some of the early, like Red Rubber Ball, which was The Circle, um, that was actually Paul Simon's song. But No, I would still consider them classic rock. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, they yeah. the, that's a band that I, you know, my uh, that that's I one of Simon my mom's, Marvel, yeah. one of my mom's faves that I've, she I've, got me into. I have bookends over there somewhere. Nice. Yeah. nice. Yeah, I have a The three, Graduate soundtrack a three CD collection called old friends. That's, you know, a, a bunch of the singles that you'll hear, but there's a lot of live recordings mm -hmm. or, um, mm -hmm. second, like second take recordings on right. old friends. That's really nice to have. And, uh, it's funny to hear some of the different versions of their songs because they, he would write lyrics and then write two completely different songs for it. Right. Like, uh, um, what is it? Somewhere they can't find me is Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. Yeah. It's like the same exact lyrics, but they're two completely different songs. Yeah. Um, so I loved, I love hearing that kind of shit on Simon and Garfunkel. And they're, they're a band that I can listen to anytime. That's somebody that, you know, sure. Um, and I didn't make, I didn't make a real big relationship with them when my mom was into them. It was actually in college. I had a roommate who was like, I like Paul Simon solo stuff too. I've never, I've never, I don't think I've ever listened to it other than, you know, the stuff that you would know because he did a video with Chevy Chase, yeah. you know, <laughs> 50 <laughs> ways, kind of 50 stuff. ways to lose your lover. Like that song is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out too then. Cause I, I don't think I ever really listened to his solo stuff. It was just that, that old friends recording kind of brought me into the greater world of Simon and Garfunkel than just sound of silence or yeah. um did you ever get into cat know. stevens yes yeah i love a little stevens. bit i love trouble um i love his whole catalog that was yeah. another one that my dad played used to play father and son all the time on the guitar and, okay and i grew up listening to that um all, yeah all his stuff i didn't get into them until later it was actually it was actually an ex-girlfriend yeah. who uh who was like how do you not like Cat Stevens? And I was like, why stop yelling at me all the time? Yeah, he's like, he's definitely up there on my list of like, uh, get all the, I get a lot of feels when I listen to Cat Stevens. Okay. Uh, particularly, uh, not just father son stuff, but like, <clears throat> he's just got one of those voices that uh, just goes right through you. I mean, like, you mm. hear it and you're just like, oh my God. Like, yeah. It stops you in your tracks when you hear his stuff. And it's because it's so um true and soulful and like it just get you're just like oh cat's even so good yeah and his guitar work is fantastic he's an incredible guitarist uh trouble is that song for me like yeah he, he his voice starts in trouble and mm -hmm. it's wavering and i'm like tearing up 
Mm-hmm. It's not even. We're not even done the first. You verse gotta hear, yet. dude. T for the Tiller Man. That album. Okay. Literally, just if you're gonna like, do just listen to T for I'm the Tiller Man. I'm gonna add it to my playlist. Listen to T for the Tiller Man from start to finish. Okay. And it's just like, you, it's hard to fucking top that album. <laughs> like, it's so fucking good. Like, just every song and it's like and a lot of them are songs you've never heard before because they didn't get radio play sure but they should have like they're so and it's one of those albums that you have to take it as a 1970 whole. yeah you right. have to take it as a whole um and i remember hearing that in high school for the first time and just being like 11 mm. songs 36 minutes it's quick wow it's quick and concise no fat mm-hmm. and it's just it's acoustic just fucking perfect. sorry i cut you off you listened to that album for the first time in high school yeah um well i like i heard my dad play stuff but i didn't and then somebody was like try t for the tiller man just buy that album i think it was one of my mom or somebody was like just buy t for the tiller man and i bought that in harvest neil young's harvest at the mm-hmm. same time and it's mind-blowing experience where i was just like oh my god like they're just such iconic albums like you just once you get into that album, you're going to be like, how have I never known about this before? Right. Well, at least at least we sort of established because we didn't have, you know, YouTube or Spotify yeah. in our youth. It was, it was who you knew. It, it was yeah. who you knew. And what other people were listening to was what shaped your music. You yeah. Know what I mean? Whereas now it's like you can just kind of fall into wormholes going through the Internet. Whereas back then it was, it was all word of mouth. Everything yeah. was just like if you didn't – nobody – expose you to it you weren't gonna really get exposed to yeah. it you know what i mean yeah i think um because because neil young's another one not not my dad's kind of classic rock obviously right. a little right. which is weird that he digs the kinks but right. i think it's a little too sloppy because somewhere between it the definitely kinks, is somewhere between the kinks and pearl jam is where my dad tunes out right right, right. um because he definitely doesn't like pearl jam either but neil young's harvest moon album Okay, is so usually I'll have to one, check because I never dug into him. Harvest Moon is the one where he put out in like the early '90s, and it was all acoustic, and it was it's a fucking masterpiece. Huh. Like, I literally will listen to songs on that album and still like tear up because it's just so fucking good, like ridiculous. Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon, yeah. Okay, yeah. The title track is was you know got a lot of airplay. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to T for the Tiller Man. On the way home. Yeah. Or I mean, that's, maybe not all of it. That's but, you know, so good. I can yeah. probably get through half of that album on yeah. the way home. But Neil Young's Harvest Moon is a good one that uh, it's off. It's not really because it was it was very um, mainstream. Okay. A lot of people. Like, well, you got said it, the 90s? Yeah, it was early 90s. Yeah, it got okay. a t- my parents had it on CD and cassette, I think. And right. It was on constant rotation at my house. And I just, I still, when I hear it, it literally takes me back to like 1992 or whatever fuck year yeah. it was made. But it's like his, it's just him and like a lot of just acoustical and like classical instrument arrangements. And it's just very, it's totally different vibe that you're used to from, because I think he's a performer that he's great when he's plugged in. He's a badass guitarist, mm-hmm. has his own sound, that very hard, edgy, sloppy, like grungy type sound. But <clears throat> when he strips down, and plays acoustic he's disarming like he's so right. good like when he like because okay. there's he has literal live albums of just him playing concerts just him and a fucking acoustic guitar and you could hear the crowd just be like people are just like holding their breath like that's how fucking good he right. is because he's so earnest like his yeah. his shit is his delivery and everything is just so fucking to the point and earnest and truthful that like you can't not fall in love with his music 
That's like one of my dream scenarios that you just described. If I'm the person on stage, you just described my one of my dream scenarios of somebody being like, but have you ever heard him just play acoustic? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think this, there's so many artists out there that are like that. And they're that's when they're at their best is when they just play like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would I would be remiss if I didn't mention Jim Croce too. Oh yeah, it's another huge part of like yeah. my mom's catalog. That when it, when I started playing guitar, yeah, she just insists over and over yeah. for me to learn Jim Croce yeah. songs. So, yeah. um, not my huge cup of tea, but I do like some of his songs. I yeah. never Jim, I never jumped too much into his category, but like still feels a little more folky than yeah. But like for me, for me, it was like the weirdest 180 was like I mentioned earlier was Jackson Brown. Mm -hmm. So like my mom was a (laughs) huge Jackson Brown fan. And so was my dad. And now like, and for years I'd be like, Oh my God, that fucking shit sucks so bad. And I was like, (laughs) I wonder if there's any songs I would like. He's so corny. And like, and then as I got older and I, I mean, it's only been in the past five years that like I started like listening to his stuff would catch my attention because the band Dawes is kind of a newer version, and the guy from Dawes, Taylor Goldsmith, okay. sounds very much like Jackson Brown. God, and I love Dawes's music, and they're they're based on that Laurel Canyon sound, which was like the Crosby, Stills and Nash, and the Eagles, and all that. That very it has their own sound from that period of the seventies. Um, and there was a whole documentary done on the whole Laurel Canyon sound and everything, and Jackson Brown was at the heart of it. And, yeah, uh, I don't recognize any of these songs. Dude, but I'll albums. tell you what, dude, I'll play you some of his shit from um my favorite album is uh and I have it on vinyl here. Um I have actually his first three albums. Jackson Brownie. I was just looking at it, but now I'm looking at the the very best of the car, Late for the Sky. Yes. So late for, so his yeah. first I have his I have For Every Man, Late for the Sky and The Pretender. Okay. Um, 73, 74, 76. And he's just putting out ridiculous amount of albums. But those are like his, that's his trilogy. And I have them all on vinyl and I fucking love them. And like they're beat up and I don't give a shit because they sound so good. Uh, but hearing them like, like you could hear them now, like down here. But like Late for the Sky is like the recording quality. Like the dude was literally like one of the most, the biggest perfectionists in the studio. Yeah. Um, known, and they said that he just, he would literally just do take after take after take until he got it like Steely Dan type of fucking, right. which is a whole, another band that I forgot to mention. I'm a huge, yeah. huge Steely Dan fan. But his voice is so clean and clear. It's a whole vibe. Like yeah. Jackson Brown is a vibe, especially this album. It's very sad and it's like very like almost like a breakup album, but um it's just one of those albums where I the first time I heard that song down here on vinyl and I was just like I've done myself a great disservice by not <laughs> getting into Jackson Brown and teasing my mom for years about right. this guy because he's a fucking genius. <laughs> like, <laughs> not only is his voice absolute perfection, but like his uh, arrangements and his lyrics, like the lyrics rip your heart out. Like, but oh it's God. so good, dude. So much juicy stuff to jump into. But we're running up on an hour and 26 oh minutes. I was going to try to cut this to an hour, but it never works out. It um, never does. There's always so much to talk about because there's yeah. so many things that I missed. You know? Yeah. We didn't talk about, like, 
Jefferson Airplane. But we could we could do a part two of half class- of the bands that were. We could do a part two of classic rock. How about that? Sure. And then we'll jump into that next time, and we'll try to get you back here on more than a, a quarterly basis. <laughs> Um, especially now that you don't have to lug any equipment over here, I this can just great. I can record everything here and just get and, your own I, shit. and if I get lazy, I can send it to you to fucking edit. That's right. That's the beauty of Dropbox. But I need the practice anyway, so I'll fucking edit it and then we'll I'll send it to you and then you can fucking put it on everything. Love it. But uh, yeah, we'll cut out. Well, yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, we'll man. cut out what everything was gold. Well, well, Remember said, that part where I trailed off and I was like, well, I meant Brr. I meant we're gonna we're gonna cut out. Oh. Cut off transmission now. Oh, but, I'm sorry. I but yeah, no, that was super awkward. Thanks for having. <laughs> thanks for coming here. Thanks for chilling in my basement and uh, and drinking my coffee and, and listening to me ramble about uh, 70s music. But we're, we'll have part two next time. I love it. I've refilled all of my refilled my list of albums that I need to check That's out. That's all so I need to hear, dude. I'm whenever grateful. I hear somebody do that, they, whenever they come away from here with new music, then I feel like I've done my job. So thank you. Awesome, dude. All right, dude. Thank Later. you. Till next time.